Hello, and welcome to the White Rabbit's Come Follow Me podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Lee Barris, and look forward to sharing some highlights with you from this week's reading of 2 Nephi, chapter 6 through 10. Now, of all the readings we've had so far in the Book of Mormon, I would say this, this section is the heaviest <laughs> and the most doctrinally deep so far. So bear with me. I have chosen to focus a little bit on chapter 9. Just want to mention that in this chapter, Jacob says that he was. it was revealed to him that the Savior's name was Christ. So that's the first time we hear of that in the Book of Mormon. And we know Jacob was given the blessing by his father to be a teacher. And so I think that he must have spent most of his time studying the scriptures, aside from just basically living, but any free time studying and pondering the scriptures. And his understanding of the gospel is extremely deep, and his understanding of the atonement is very, very deep. And we can gain a lot by studying it. But it would take me, if I were to really delve into everything in this section of, of study, it would, oh, I would say, 10 hours of discussion <laughs> for this. So I'm going to try to keep it around 30 minutes and just, like I said, focus on some of the verses in chapter 9. I want you to imagine that tears are streaming from the corners of a mother's eyes as she is laboring to, live, to deliver her child. It is a long and difficult delivery, not as she had hoped or expected. She feels her body weakening with exhaustion, but resolves to keep trying to bring her baby to her arms. There is no hospital, only her bedroom with simple bare furniture. No medication is available to soothe or relieve the intense waves of pain. Instead of a trained physician attending her, assisting her is an untrained neighbor who offers words of encouragement and wipes the sweat from her forehead with a cool cloth. The delivery is much longer than she had hoped and expected. Again, she strains to deliver her helpless baby and finally, he is born. She waits for the enthusiastic cry, but there is only a whimper. Her friend does the best she can to take care of her and the child. The baby is wrapped in a soft blanket and put in the mother's arms. She looks upon her perfectly formed infant who lies lifeless in her arms and prays that he will move or cry. She holds him closer to her chest, feeling the deep and instant bond of love overcome her. His breathing is waning until it stops. Silence. Oh, if only the silence could end, if only he would move. But nothing. A deep sadness, emptiness, and disappointment begin filling her soul matching the exhaustion she is feeling. Above her, she feels an ever-increasing darkness descending in her bedroom. 
Dark clouds are gathering, and in each of the clouds she sees the demonic faces of angels from hell with their distorted features. They are sinister, with their evil smiles and dead countenances. They have come to take the soul of her new baby boy with them to their dark and dreary home. Terror fills her soul. How could this be happening? Her precious son can't go live in such a place of darkness and fear. He is innocent and he belongs to her. He should be cared for, cared for lovingly day after day with her hands. It is all so wrong. She closes her eyes and sends a a prayer heavenward asking that her child be delivered from the scene of horror. Above the dark clouds, a light begins to form, expanding and filling the room. The demonic messengers curse and turn their backs against the light, going back to their dark and dreary hell. In the light, the mother sees a vision of angels descending. Their faces are radiant and expressions joyful. The light they bring fills the room with peace and warmth. An angel speaks to her in a comforting, warm voice, reassuring words that she doesn't need to be afraid. She should rejoice because of the atonement of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Through his power of his infinite atonement, her son's spirit will go to heaven to live with Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ, their brother, paid the price and accomplished his great mission of love, overcoming the effects of the fall when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and were cast out of the Garden of Eden. His atonement of grace and mercy will save her precious and innocent son from an eternity of hell. Instead, he will be taken to a glorious heavenly home to live with God, his heavenly father. The mother, although sad that her beautiful son has died, is full of joy and relief, knowing that because of the Savior Jesus Christ, her son will escape the captivity which had awaited him. Now tears of happiness and understanding course down her cheeks. She whispers a soul-filled prayer of thanks to God, the Father, for sacrificing his perfect, precious son to save hers. In 2 Nephi chapter 9, verse 10, Jacob exclaims, Oh, how great the goodness of our God, who prepareth a way for our escape from the grasp of this awful monster, yea, that monster, death and hell, which I call the death of the body and also the death of the spirit. We might think the scenario above is beyond comprehension. It is unfair that an innocent newborn baby who dies would be taken to hell. But listen to this. 
Moroni chapter 8, verses 12 through 13 and 17. But little children are alive in Christ, even from the foundation of the world. If not so, God is a partial God and also a changeable God and a respecter to persons. For how many little children have died without baptism? Wherefore, if little children could not be saved without baptism, there must have, they, these must have gone to an endless hell. And I am filled with charity, which is everlasting love. Wherefore, all children are alike unto me. Wherefore, I love little children with a perfect love. And they are all alike and partakers of salvation. The power of the fall was so great that the unthinkable would have been the reality if it weren't for the atonement of Jesus Christ. Meaning that without the atonement, even an innocent baby's spirit would have gone to live with the devil in hell. That to me is so horrifying. Or any little child. But listen to this, 2 Nephi chapter 9, 3. I speak unto you these things that ye may rejoice and lift up your heads forever because of the blessings which the Lord God shall bestow upon your children. This is something to be happy about <laughs> in verse 7. Wherefore it needs, must needs be an infinite atonement. Save it should be an infinite atonement. This corruption could not put on incorruption. Wherefore, the first judgment which came upon man, that means Adam and Eve's fall, must needs have remained to an endless duration. And if so, this flesh must have laid down to rot and crumble to its mother earth to rise no more. I heard a talk given by Elder Corbridge. He gave it as a as a forum speech at BYU Idaho. And in it he talks about the fall and he talks about the concept of entropy and how because of the fall there's this constant state of decay and and it just fits along with, you know, without an atonement our spirits would be cut off from God. We'd never be able to redeem ourselves. We'd always have this hole in our hearts because we'd never be able to connect. We couldn't repent. We could never have salvation. We'd have this dark spiritual death, but also this physical death where our bodies would just gradually grow older like they do now. And we would end up never being resurrected. So and the, the definition of entropy is just this gradual state of decay where things in the universe just gradually get more and more um, disorderly. So entropy is simply a measure of disorder and affects all aspects of our daily lives. In fact, you can think of it as nature's tax. Left unchecked, disorder increases over time Energy disperses and systems dissolve into chaos. The more disordered something is, the more entropic we consider it. And so 
in this world, we're constantly working to fight against this this state of entropy that we're in, in this fallen world. We clean, we organize, we weed, we set up systems to create order, and all of these are divine acts. It's exactly what our Heavenly Father does. He creates order. He is the opposite of the fallen world. He is a God of order, not a God of chaos. The atonement of Jesus Christ pushes back against entropy and even overcomes it. The catalyst for activating this tremendous power against entropy is us. It is our faith in him that creates within us the desire to make and keep sacred covenants with him, with our Heavenly Father. Our repentance activates the atonement in our lives and our diligence makes the difference for us. He has already paid the price in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross, but we get to choose if we believe and follow him. Now this is different than a little innocent child or baby that's not yet accountable. They are incapable of sinning and they are innocent before God and they will be saved in the kingdom of God. But for us, we are accountable. And I remember talking with my dad and we, he's, when I look back at what he's taught me, I'm just so grateful. One thing he talked with me about several times was how he had studied world religions and he even had a book on his shelf called World Religions. And he'd studied their philosophies and teachings. And he said to me, there were very many good religious leaders in the world and teachers, such as Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad. They taught good things. And if people followed their teachings, they could have more peaceable lives. But, Although they taught truth, they didn't have the power that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had in overcoming the effects of the fall. They couldn't create salvation because of the effects of the fall. We would all have been doomed without the atonement of Jesus Christ. Verse 8 in chapter 9 says, Oh, the wisdom of God, his mercy and grace. For behold, if the flesh should rise no more, our spirits must become subject to that angel who fell before, from before the presence of the eternal God and became the devil to rise no more we wouldn't have a chance without the Savior. 
verse 9, And our spirits must have become devils, angels to a devil, to be shut out from the presence of our God, and remain with the father of lies in misery, like unto himself, yea, to that being who beguiled our first parents. Now, I can think back at times when I've made mistakes and how dark and um, desolate my soul felt when I made mistakes. And I would not want to live in that state of darkness forever and that feeling of discouragement and despair. And it was just this spiritual death that I was experiencing. I'm so grateful that I don't have to remain in that, that I can quickly repent of my mistakes and grow from them and reconnect with my Heavenly Father. But we might say, how could our loving Heavenly Father take such a big risk? Is he really bound by these eternal laws? Well, I, I heard this wonderful talk in church yesterday and the speaker sp uh, talked about drivers if there were no drivers education programs required if there were no traffic laws <laughs> now this this rung a bell with me because my son is in driver's ed right now and um, now when we're driving he's all of a sudden aware of all the driving rules and is correcting my driving, giving me driving advice. <laughs> and um, so I, I listened to this talk, and these are some of the points the speaker made. What if driver's education wasn't required? What if you, anybody could drive whenever people decided they could? And we, we didn't have any stop signs. Um, pedestrians didn't have the right of way. There weren't crosswalks because a pedestrian would be at great risk of, of um, crossing the road. Um, there weren't stoplights. You just would cross when you got the chance. You just go for it. Basically, the most aggressive person would survive. No railroad crossing signs. Just cross whenever you feel like it. No speed limits. You can drive on any side of the road. Yielding doesn't exist. Four-way stops don't have rules. Just whoever's the most brave or aggressive can go for it. I would even say go so far as if somebody gets hit by a car, vehicular manslaughter, there's no penalty. It's just the risk you take of being on the road. Well, if this were the case, I would not feel good about sending my son to drive without any of these laws. I'd be so chaotic and dangerous for him and everybody else on the road. And so we can see that, of course, we need traffic laws. They actually protect us and they make it so that there's order. The reason I bring this up is that God is also bound by eternal laws. The conditions of the fall are real. We needed a savior, otherwise we'd all have been lost. The, the plan of salvation would have crashed and burned. Even Heavenly Father's hopes and dreams for us would have been ruined to see each of us spend eternity with the devil. Instead of this depressing and glooming future, we can hold our heads up and realize that the effects of the fall have been overcome. Second Nephi 
chapter 9 verse 3 says, I speak unto you these things that ye may rejoice and lift up your heads forever. In chapter 9, uh, 9 verse 18 it says, But behold, the righteous, the saints of the Holy One of Israel, they shall inherit the kingdom of God, which was prepared for them from the foundation of the world, and their joy shall be full forever. I just want to tell you a quick story. So in my ward growing up, I had a friend and I remember getting invited to her house one time and I remember her stealing money out of her parents' business till. She stole probably $20 so that we could go and go to this little carnival that was set up and buy candy and all these things and I just thought this this is this doesn't feel good this is so <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs> to be buying brown chocolate licorice at the grocery store with stolen money and then I remember um, later on like I just kind of distanced myself I just felt like I I just don't think I want to be doing these kinds of things with this friend. So I changed friendships. And I remember one night, it was a youth night, and the word was out that this girl had taken her dad's pickup with a friend. She was 14 years old, and she'd been driving through the countryside wild and turned a corner really fast. She had no idea what she was doing. She turned the corner fast and ran off the road and went into a ditch and they had to pull her out. I think they were okay. I don't know if they were injured. And then just kind of watching this friend. She's still a friendly person, but she just didn't understand the concept of consequences maybe or laws or I don't know what what she was thinking. She just seemed like she was out of control. I remember she had a baby out of wedlock and I didn't, I didn't really know what had happened after that. I just kind of lost track of her. We graduated from high school. And we had a class reunion, and I wasn't helping with the class reunion, and did just did a little survey for people who, you know, what they learned in the last twenty years since they graduated from high school. And she wrote on hers something about the power of Jesus Christ and his redemption. And I tell you, her countenance was just so bright. Somewhere along the line, she realized she was worth something. And that Heavenly Father loved her. And that the atonement of Jesus Christ was for her. She could become clean and holy, holy person. And she acted and, and looked like a holy person. She looked so happy. And I think, wow. Yes, rejoice, lift up your heads forever. 
um, we have so much to be grateful for and all of that applies to us no matter what we've done we have great things to look forward to in the future we can see our loved ones who have passed away in their perfect resurrected bodies we have the opportunity of living with them in a glorious place for eternity. This is a reality that can be achieved. We can have a glorified, resurrected body, free of pain, disease, or injury, with minds that are clear and without illness. And although these things are in the future, we can enjoy great blessings now as we accept the love of God in our lives. No matter where we are, we can start today to feel this great love. Today we have the chance to feel the power and warmth of a deep connection with Heavenly Father, no matter our circumstances. I love this um, Valentine's card I got in the mail from our Relief Society presidency. <laughs> On it is a quote by Elder Uchtdorf, and I want to end with this today. It says, Though we are incomplete, God loves us completely. Though we are imperfect, He loves us perfectly. Though we may, may feel lost without a compass, God's love encompasses us completely. Thank you for listening today and for putting up with my tears. My, my face is covered with tears. <laughs> it's been a tender... Um, podcast and I'm sorry for being so emotional but thank you for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day